welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I am here today with an interview with author Melissa De La Cruz, and I'll be talking with her about her 50th novel entitled The Birthday Girl, her writing in general, and of course a few other surprises that I won't reveal until the time of the interview. Following the interview, of course, will be the week's guide to new releases. But before we dive into either of those, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. On Facebook, you can join our listener group where you can interact with us as well as with other podcast listeners. Um, we chat about what we're reading, what we're hoping to read, um, what we've loved recently. You can always feel free to send us a message on either platform if you have book recommendations or um, episode suggestions, anything like that. And you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And we are always happy to hear from you. All right, so I'm going to move along now to the interview. Again, this is author Melissa De La Cruz. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. I'm Shannon, and I am joined today by best-selling author Melissa De La Cruz and her 50th novel, according to the press material that I just read, is has come out yesterday, which was the 6th of August. So, Melissa, welcome to Book Bistro, and thank you so much for joining me this morning. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So you have written 50 novels? Yes. Um, and uh, But mostly I write for kids and teenagers. So I like to explain that the reason the count is so high is because some of these books come out every three months or every eight months. Um, I write, a, write a, a lot of series books, um, and, uh, and some of them are shorter. You know, they're about maybe 50,000 words. They're middle-grade books, uh, and that's why I can write, you know, um, I think the most I've written in a year is uh, five or six. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm not writing, you know, 50 huge adult novels. You know, the reason <laughs> uh, the count is so high is because I write, you know, um, a lot of these books uh, are, are shorter and for kids. So the book that we are here to talk about for the most part today is your latest novel, which is called The Birthday Girl. So could you give listeners a bit of an introduction to this particular book? 
Sure. Um, the Birthday Girl is my first adult uh, domestic suspense novel. It's kind of in the genre um, that Gone Girl made popular, where something terrible has happened, you know, in the home, uh, in the domestic sphere, and it's about marriage and family, uh, but also about dark secrets and the past, you know, kind of informing the present. So it's about this woman, um, Ellie, uh, who is celebrating her 40th birthday, um, but also it takes place during her 16th birthday when something terrible happened. So, and that thing that, uh, that happened is uh, coming back to her in her 40th. You know, somebody is coming to her party from her past that she's scared of. So can you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to take the leap into domestic suspense when your background, as you said, is primarily like uh, middle grade and YA? Uh, sure. Um, I kind of explained it as I like to um, read what I don't write. So um, because I write for kids and teens, um, I read uh, fiction that I don't write in because otherwise it feels like work. Um, so I read a lot of literary fiction and then I got into, you know, reading a lot of these uh, murder mysteries and these domestic suspense books um, uh, like The Wife, uh, like um, Anonymous uh, by Greer Hendricks. I really liked, you know, kind of these books that were so different from what I would write but because I love them so much I started thinking maybe I could write one and I had this idea for this book um, years ago I've been talking about this book for maybe 10 years uh, we bought a house in Palm Springs when I was 38 and I joked that I bought it to have this birthday party in for my 40th and I remember you know as the plans got more and more extravagant and delusional you know I thought oh I'll fly people in from New York and London and all my friends in LA will come out and I'll wear this big designer dress and I'll just be this huge extravaganza I kind of uh was a little bit grossed out by it and by that feeling <laughs> and I never had the party because I thought oh my god who is this person like this monster that I've created that's me I don't want to be that person and but I remember that feeling and I remember kind of that impetus to you know you know hit that milestone and show off you know and show off to everybody in high school who was mean to be like look at me I'm so fabulous now and so I <laughs> you know it was like kind of a revenge party and and so I remember that feeling and it kind of inspired me to um, to write this book uh, because I, I thought it was just so fascinating because I'm you know kind of a low-key person I'm a writer you know I don't really like a lot of attention and you know even promoting the book you know we never I never thought because I liked sitting in a room being by myself and writing that I'd have to actually go out and promote the book uh, so you know having this feeling of wanting to have so much attention and everybody kind of focused on you was so new and uh and and instead of instead of having the party um i wrote the book <laughs> so perhaps this makes me a very terrible person but i kind of like <laughs> the idea of a revenge party oh yeah <laughs> I, I think you know maybe we should all um mm -hmm. at least fantasize about one of those i i would be up for that <laughs> Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so how different was it for you to write something like The Birthday Girl rather than um, more of what you're used to in the YA age range? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I started in adult fiction. My first ever novel that uh, came out almost 20 years ago was uh, a contemporary uh, women's fiction. And uh, my editor said, you know, what are you going to do next? And there was um, kind of these chiclet murder mysteries. And I said, oh, maybe I'll write like a fun murder mystery. And I wrote a proposal and she read it and she said, yeah, no, <laughs> you can't write these. And I said, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> like, and I think back then I just didn't have um, the experience and the chops and I didn't know structure that well. And I think you have to know structure and plotting really well to write one of these. And, uh, and it, I, I've always wanted to write um, a mystery. And I think it took me 20 years to learn how to do that. So by the time, you know, I got this idea and I called it my Palm Springs murder book, my Palm Springs murder mystery. Uh, I when I finally put pen to paper and got the idea of um, setting it in Palm Springs with this birthday party, doing it all in one night, um, like uh, Hitchcock's Rope, which was a big inspiration also, and Herman Koch's The Dinner Party, which all takes place in one when not, one night also, I thought, oh, I can do this. Um, and I think when I finally wrote it, I did have that experience of having written all those books and having plotted all those books that I understood structure and story that I was finally old enough to write my murder mystery book. So I have sitting on my um, huge TBR pile, <laughs> your Alex and Eliza. Oh, yay. Um, so I definitely want to dive into that one sometime very soon. Oh, yay. Um, and it's interesting to me, just like even within YA, the very different types of books that you've written, like you've done some paranormal, um, you've done some historical, now you've written a mystery. Um, do you have a particular type of book that you enjoy writing more than perhaps others? Um, I think... Uh... I don't know if I have a favorite book, but I know that the writing fantasy is really hard. And um, and every time I write a fantasy book, and I have one coming out next year called The Queen's Assassin, uh, where uh, it's set in this uh, world with magic and legend and history, and there's a romance in it, but also, you know, a, a big um, kind of epic story. Uh, they're much harder and much more complicated because you have to make up everything and, you know, and everything has to be consistent. It's like, okay, if you said the magic is like this, then you can't do that. Uh, so th that kind of takes a lot of time um, and energy. So after I write one of those books, I always want to write something a little easier. And Birthday Girl, because it had been in my head for almost 10 years, and I kept talking about it, and I knew what the character was, and I knew what was going to happen. It was so easy to write, and it almost just kind of flowed out of me um you know in a rush like I had so many things to say because I don't write for adults that much so I kind of had built up all these things that I wanted to write about marriage and family and birthdays and um turning 40 and women friends um so uh so it was really fun and I really really enjoyed writing it um it, and it was a nice to take a break um from from high school <laughs> and middle school and write about people my age <laughs> It's amazing to me how popular YA is these days, even like among adults. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm 39 and a big portion of what I read is, is YA these days. Oh, yeah. Yay. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Like I think about the kinds of books like I grew up reading um, before I 
kind of moved ahead to the like grown up, you know, romances and mysteries, but we did not have this huge like, array of books like people do now, um, you know, when they're, they're teenagers, middle grade and, and up. And I just, I love that so much. And I find myself wishing sometimes like, wow, you know, wouldn't it be good if I was like 16 again, I would have, you know, all this reading material that I just didn't have, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. So I, I love that. So Ellie is your your character in The Birthday Girl. And she is a pretty complicated person. She has a lot of things that she's she's wrestling with internally. I'm wondering how much you knew about her and all the secrets mm. that she was keeping like right off the bat and how much of that kind of developed for you organically as you wrote. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I definitely knew who she was in the present, you know, and all the stressors of, um, of her life. Um, and I knew that something terrible had happened in her past, but I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I know that she was trying to kind of run away and hide it. So I wrote the book with kind of this general outline and with a structure. And I wanted to make sure that the, the chapters that were said in the past kind of informed things about her in the present and that you would kind of notice it through reading um, it rather than being told, uh, like there's a scene in the past where Ellie grows up, uh, you know, she's poor, she's from a trailer park, then she goes to this rich girl's party on her birthday, it's on her birthday, but it's like this other party. And she sees um, this girl's bedroom and it's just so beautiful. It's all pink and peach and, you know, it's a room for a princess. And later in the present, you realize her daughter's bedroom is all pink and peach and is described um, almost uh, to the word as the bedroom in the past. So she gave uh -huh. that bedroom to her daughter. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to do those things to kind of show who she was before and who she became now. Um, but I did rewrite the ending a lot because I wasn't sure what it was that had happened. And, uh, and I, um, and my, and I wrote one of my first draft of it. I turned to my editor and she said, I really, really like it. But I think, you know, that's not the ending. And I said, okay, I got to rethink the ending. Um, I think the first ending was a little more, um, just uh, kind of uh, melancholy, but not a lot of action. And she said, you know, and we're kind of building up to, you know, these this big reveal. Um, and I think I kind of turned this detour where, you know, I built it up, but then, you know, it was kind of this small thing. And she said, that's not really what, you know, what the book is about. And I said, you know, you're right. You know, I'm kind of hiding from this terrible thing because I didn't want, you know, I actually felt bad for my character. I didn't want her to have that, but I had to go there. So I wrote a bunch of different endings and then finally figured out the one that worked for it. And then when I figured out that, that ending, I rewrote a little bit of the start to make sure we got there. So it was a little organic. It was plotted, but also organic. So, so we kind of alternate um, between past and present. When you wrote this, did you write one timeline and then go back and do the other? Or did you write this pretty much in the order that we are reading it? Um, I wrote them. A li I, I do tend to like to write chronologically. And I 
you know, did have my structure. So I would write, you know, a Palm Springs, you know, 40th uh, chapter, and then I would write the 16 uh, year old trailer pack chapter. But then I found it was so hard to do that. So I would, if I was in the mo mode of her as an adult, I would kind of keep going. I would skip, skip over um, the past chapters and just keep writing her as an adult. And then I would go back and write her as a teen. So it actually was easier to kind of stay and the point of view of whatever I was writing. So what some days, you know, Monday would be, you know, a 40 day and I would write, you know, a bunch of maybe five chapters in that timeline. And then the next day I would write all of the 16 year old chapters. But then at one point I was going back and forth because I did want it to, you know, have, you know, that impact of you're reading something in the present and it's also um, a commentary on the past a little, like I wanted it to match. Well, and I think it, it does, um, okay. you know, you can see little bits of things mm -hmm. like you just sort of read about in the previous point of view and you're like, oh, you know, so that's how like this ties in to, you know, Ellie, either like past Ellie or future Ellie. Um, and so I did enjoy that kind of watching the two timelines unfold and being able to chart in my mind, like the connections that were forming. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> cool. So do you write every day or what does your process look like? Um, my process is I've always been um, a crasher. <laughs> I've always been a procrastinator. So, uh, and this kind of, you know, was me all through high school and college is that I knew I could do it in the shortest amount of time I needed to, I would like, wait until it was I I was telling another interviewer that I only write uh, with with a great <laughs> under great duress <laughs> you know the book is going to be canceled everything is going to fail like you have to write it you have to finish it and that's kind of when the brain kicks in and I do all my work so I like to work in in a lot of spurts like there'll be like two weeks where I'm just writing and I'm just in the book and I'm just um kind of finishing and I think that's like the end of the process where it all kind of comes together because I think that you have to have the book in your head to kind of make it a whole. So I'll do a lot of plotting, I'll do a lot of outlines and I'll kind of write steadily, you know, um, I like to write between two to 5,000 words a day. Um, oh my goodness. But because, um, because I can write really fast, I can also write 10,000 words a day. So what I'll do is I won't do anything for four days and then write everything on the fifth day and, and still make my word count for the week. So, you know, you're kind of banking that, but it's so much easier if you do write slowly. I say it's easier, but I don't work like that. I've always wanted to be somebody who kind of could go in, put their, you know, um, every day, write their, you know, 3,000 words or 2,000 words and, you know, kind of have like a much more calm life. But I tend to be somebody who can write, you know, um, you know 20,000 words in a night. So because I know I can do that, I kind of um, wait until I have to do it and then I do it. Uh, so that so the process is very, um, it's very scattered, but I also... I do a lot of focus at the end. So in the beginning, it doesn't look like I do much. And then all of a sudden, I all I do is work. <laughs> so I'm either on or off. <laughs> well, given that you have written, you know, this, this huge amount of books, I, I think obviously we can all say that you, um, you do quite a bit <laughs> just Thank in you. terms of your writing. 
Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you um, are writing a fantasy novel that mm-hmm. comes out next year. Is this mm-hmm. going to be a standalone or is it a series? Uh, it's a series. Uh, there are going to be two books uh, for the duology. Um, and yeah, I finished that <coughs> earlier this year. And now it is coming out uh, in February. Ooh. I will definitely keep an eye out for it then. Yay. Are we um, expecting another adult novel from you anytime soon? Uh, I do have uh, several kind of follow-up ideas um, after The Birthday Girl, um, kind of in the domestic suspense realm. So, yes, I, I hope to continue in the genre. I really, really enjoy it. That would be very excellent because along with um, a lot of the YA, I do read a pretty large amount of these like twisty psychological thriller type books. Oh, yay. Yeah, I I really, really like them. So you talked earlier on in the interview um, about the fact that you don't tend to read a lot in the genres that you write yourself. So have you read anything lately that you really loved that you would like to recommend? Oh, I loved, loved, loved Sally Rooney's Normal People. Have you read it? It's, I have not it, yet. Oh, it's really so, about it. it's so good. And, um, and I read her first novel, Conversations with Friends, which I also really loved. It was so, you know, for such a young writer, it was so profound. And I just really felt like, wow, she, and it was so interesting. It was just a different way of kind of looking at a romance, you know, and I definitely felt like, wow, this is a new generation um, point of view. And then, uh, and normal people is actually a little bit more um, traditional, that it is a a more traditional romance. Um, But it is, I mean, I read that book and then I had to immediately reread it. I I thought it was so, it was just such a beautiful book. It was so astute, so insightful. And I press it on everybody. So please read Normal People by Sally Rooney. (laughs) I will check it out. It's on my like very massive list of things (laughs) that I hope to read, you know, someday. Um, But I will definitely move it up so that maybe it's, um, you know, closer to the to the top there. So what other types of genres do you enjoy? Um, like, do you do a lot of nonfiction or are you primarily a fiction reader? I am primarily a fiction reader. I don't really read a lot of nonfiction unless it's a cooking memoir. I really ah. like cooking memoirs because I don't cook. So it's almost a fantasy, <laughs> you know, reading about people, um, uh, I think Ruth Reichel, Anthony Bourdain, any kind of um, whatever the latest cooking memoir is. I feel like there hasn't been one. Um, like now there's a lot of kind of writing, but also recipes. So they're more yes. kind of beautiful recipe books. Um, but I, you know, um, who was the woman who wrote, she was like a, she became a butcher. Like I, I love cooking memoirs. Food memoirs are great. Love those. <laughs> So my guess would be that when you were writing your um, historical series, Mm -hmm. um, Alex and Eliza, did you have to do a ton of research for that? And did that kind of pull you into the nonfiction realm a bit? 
Um, yeah, you know, my kid was just, we saw Hamilton and my daughter was obsessed with, uh, Eliza Schuyler. She would draw her. She would ask all these questions. She said, mama, what was real? What was true? And she was nine years old. And I just wanted to answer those questions for her. And when I was, uh, doing some research to answer her questions, I discovered, you know, kind of this, you know, almost fairy tale like love story, you know, which is, you know, also in the play, but when you you really get into it, you realize, you know, he did come from nothing. He was, you know, really a penniless, nameless person, and she was basically an American princess. You know, she yes. came from two of the richest, you know, most prestigious families in New York. Uh, her mother's family, the Van Rensselaers, basically owned New York. You know, they owned all the land estate. They were the richest family. And how does somebody like that, who comes from a family, you know, so high up, you know, marry somebody like Alexander Hamilton, who came from nothing. And it was just, you know, I just loved it. It just felt so, um, it just felt like a perfect, you know, fairy tale and a perfect YA book, you know, with a young, handsome, uh, penniless hero, orphan, and, you know, this beautiful, uh, and, you know, really smart and kind. I also just, I wanted to write about, you know, somebody who was good. And Eliza Schuyler, you know, she wasn't like Angelica, who was this, you know, witty, charming, you know, fashionable, you know, you know, woman who was like very worldly, very European, very sophisticated. You know, I felt like um, Eliza was so American. She was just very, you know, she was, you know, very smart, but simple and, you know, and kind. And I just wanted to write about somebody who was so decent. And that's what she was. She was such a decent human being. And that's what he loved about her, that he was drawn to. And I was drawn to that as well. You know, I just wanted to write about, you know, she just, you know, the two of them just embodied so much about America, you know, that we celebrate. It's wonderful. So. It's amazing to me just the influence that a play like Hamilton has on so many other types of media. Like, you know, we have a play and then people started writing books, um, not not so much like based on the play, but kind of around the characters in the play and researching, finding kind of the, the facts and the fiction. And, you know, we see it a lot, like when people write books and then they become movies or television shows. So it's, it's fascinating to me that we have this kind of cyclical relationship um, between our various forms of media. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, it's fun to be inspired. Um, and, you know, I do think like culture and art is a conversation, you know, with the other things that creator, creators make, you know, so you want to kind of um, you're kind of talking to each other through um, the works that you've made. So if people would like to get in touch with you online, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, my website is melissa-delacruz.com. Ah, okay. And do you um, spend a lot of time like on social media or? Uh, yes, I, you know, I'm on Instagram. I am uh, author Melissa Dela Cruz, uh, where I post, uh, you know, book promotions, but also, uh, photos of my kid and my dog <laughs> and my husband. There's <laughs> a lot of private photos. Um, and, uh, and I think it's because I, you know, I'm just kind of like, I like, you know, uh, I don't 
have that much of a boundary between my public and my private life. And I'm just like, oh, here I am at a friend's party. I'm posting that. <laughs> Looks good on Instagram. <laughs> so, you know, um, I don't like to think too much. Uh, I think either you enjoy social media and you do it because it's fun. Um, but feeling like you have to do it or you have to post a certain way. I think definitely um, some people like my child who's grown up as a digital citizen, you know, are so much better at, you know, knowing what social media, like my kid actually stopped following me on Instagram because she said I post too much. She said, mama, you're a spammer. You know, you're not supposed to post that much. And I said, you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> like I can be a total dork on social media. That's fine. And uh, I like Twitter, but I find like Twitter is not, you know, I think it, we've been we've all been on Twitter for like maybe ten years now, and yes. you know, it's just a lot of, you know, and it is some place where you know you're just angry all the time, and I don't know if I want to be angry all the time, um, and uh, uh, but so but I but I do I think I think I enjoy Instagram more now. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so very much for talking with me this morning. I appreciated the chance to get to know a little bit about you and your work and your process um so yes thank you so much and i wish you luck with all of your future books and i will definitely be keeping an eye out for um your february 2020 release i once again want to remind listeners that the birthday girl is now available and if you're an audio reader, definitely snag the audiobook. Um, Brittany Presley is the narrator, and she does an amazing job. Okay, now it is time for my favorite thing of the week, and that is, of course, to talk about the week's new releases. So obviously, there are more new releases out than I could ever discuss. So these are some that interest me personally that I know some of my co-hostesses are looking forward to, or just books that I think would generally appeal to the listenership of this podcast. If you are looking forward to something and I neglected to mention it, please let me know. The more I hear from you, the more able I am to curate this list in a way that speaks to as many of the listeners as possible. So the first several that I'm going to talk about are books you've heard about before, most recently on our most anticipated books of August episode. So the first one is one that I am so, so excited. I'm glad it's finally out. This is The Reckless Oath We Made by Bryn Greenwood. And this has got to be, at least for me, the most beautiful romance of the year. I love everything about it. It's dark, it's gritty. It's haunting. It's, it's just lovely in so many ways. If you're looking for a hero who is not neurotypical, you have found him in Greenwood's latest novel. I wish I had all the words necessary to convey just how much I love this book, but I don't. <laughs> it's sad, but I don't. Um, Bryn Greenwood's writing is amazing, and she's one of these authors that I just want her to like write and write and write. And I'm really sad that I'll probably have to wait another couple of years for her next book. So this is all, no, this is, I was going to say this is all the ugly and wonderful things, but that was 
a release that she came out with a couple of years ago that I also loved a ton and the book that actually introduced me to her writing. But this is her latest novel and it is called The Reckless Oath We Made. Another one of my favorite authors is releasing a book this week and Sarah talked about this one on our most anticipated books of August episode. This is The Last, The First Girl Child by Amy Harmon and this looks to be a standalone novel. She has written a couple of other fantasies, but they're kind of a, like a duology. But this is a standalone. I'm pretty excited about it. Again, it's The First Girl Child, and it's by Amy Harmon. And Philippa Gregory is starting a new series. Kristen mentioned this one. This is Tidelands, and it's the first book in her Fair Mile series. I heard an interview with her on another podcast and it has made me super excited to read this book. Um, I've read uh, Gregory's Tudor novels, a couple of her Plantagenet novels, and I'm really excited to see her kind of return to telling the stories of British commoners. So this is Tidelands and it's The Fair Mile, book one, by Philippa Gregory. And last in this little section, is a book that Brooke talked about. This is The Last Widow, and it is number nine in the Will Trent series by Karen Slaughter. This is the series that I've been a huge fan of for quite a while. It started way back with Slaughter's Grant County series, which began with Blindsided, um, and I followed her all the way up through her most recent novel. This one was not my favorite I have to say it's a novel about domestic terrorism and I didn't love it as much as I hoped I would, but if you are a devoted fan of the series, you'll want to check it out. So it again is The Last Widow, Will Trent, number nine by Karen Slaughter. Okay, now we have books that no one has talked about, at least no one on Book Bistro. I imagine people other places have talked about some of these. Um, the Murder List by Hank Philippi Ryan is out this week. I have never read any of her standalones, but I've read a few of her series books um, about a reporter named Jane Ryland. So I'm interested in this. It's a standalone suspense novel about a law student who learns that she's living a lie. And it is The Murder List by Hank Philippi Ryan. Next up is Platform Number 7 by Louise Doughty, and this is the story of two deaths on one train platform, 18 minutes apart. Are they connected? Probably, but if you want to know for sure, you will have to read the book. It's Platform Number 7 by Louise Doughty. Now, we are having kind of a moment of books that are set in the near future and kind of dystopian. Um, some people are calling these sort of prescient novels describing the world that we are about to live in. So the first one of these is Empty Hearts and it's by Julie Zay. And it's takes place in Germany. And I can't tell you too much about it except that it's centered around a type of suicide prevention that has been invented. So this again is Empty Hearts and it's by Julie Zay. And staying with this theme, I have to talk about The Warehouse by Rob Hart. This book has gotten a ton of buzz as kind of 
a mix of dystopian novel and high concept thriller. I'm pretty excited to give it a try. Again, it's not one I can tell you a ton about, um, but it is The Warehouse by Rob Hart. So I'm switching gears here and going to talk about some young adult fiction for a moment. Brandy Colbert came to my attention a few years ago when I picked up a copy of her novel Little and Lion. And I loved the way she wrote about racism, about homophobia, and basically just what it is like to be a teenager in today's America. Um, her new novel is The Revolution of Bertie Randolph. And I'm super excited to check it out. It is pretty intense young adult fiction. Um, definitely pick it up if you've enjoyed her previous works. Once again, it's The Revolution of Bertie Randolph and it's by Brandy Colbert. And how about some historical fiction? This is Vivian and the author is Christina Hesselholt. This is her second novel to be published in English and it is a historical novel that tells the life story of American photographer Vivian Mayer. So again, it's called Vivian, and the author is Christina Hesselholt. And some paranormal romance, perhaps? So, Alexandra Ivy is an author that I've heard about for a long time, but I've never read. Um, Mika, who recently joined Book Bistro, I think first mentioned her to me about 10 years ago and I just keep hearing about her and she's one of these people that just kind of sits in my huge list of authors I want to check out but she is releasing the 14th book in her Guardians of Eternity series it's called Beware the Darkness and I am hoping to start way back at the beginning of this series sometime soon and if I love it I'll be reading all the way up to Beware the Darkness so I also want to mention, um, I don't know if you classify this as urban fantasy or paranormal romance. There are so many commonalities between the two genres. But this is Death of Darkness, and it's Immortal Guardians number nine. It's by Diane Duvall. The first book in this series is sitting on my iPad. I got it as part of the Audible Romance Package, which they're now calling Audible Escape. Um, Kirsten Potter is the audio narrator. I'm super excited. It's like vampires and I think some witches. Um, and it just looks like all of the things that I love in like dark urban fantasy or paranormal romance. So it's this one anyway is the ninth and it's Death of Darkness. Immortal Guardians number nine by Diane Duval. Okay. So, we'll go back here to mysteries with perhaps a little bit of horror. This is Old Bones, and it is the first novel in kind of a spin-off series by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Childs. This is featuring a character named Nora Kelly, who apparently you meet in the Pendergast series. I am not a fan of the series, but I know a lot of people who love it. And so I wanted to mention that Nora Kelly is apparently getting a series of her own. And this is a mystery that kind of centers around archaeology. Again, the book is called Old Bones, Nora Kelly, book one, and it's by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Childs. And on the theme of spinoffs, 
we have Turning Darkness into Light by Marie Brennan. And this is a spinoff of her Lady Trent series. And it features the granddaughter of Lady Trent that readers of her books will be familiar with. Um, this is a book about dragons, about royalty, court intrigue. So definitely check it out. It is Turning Darkness into Light by Marie Brennan. Okay, I'm back to young adult fiction because there's so much good YA out here. And in the summer, I feel like we get tons of it, even more than we do the rest of the year. So this is Color Me In, and it's a debut novel. The author is Natasha Diaz. And it's a novel that explores the beginnings of romance, um, some friendship struggles. It looks at racial intolerance. Um, I'm super excited about it. So once again, it's Color Me In and it is by Natasha Diaz. Now I get to tell you about a book that I read over the weekend. This is Stolen Things by R.H. Heron. And this author has actually been writing women's fiction for a number of years under her given name, which is Rachel Heron. And she's writing under the pseudonym um, as she's written her first thriller. So this is Stolen Things, and it is a pretty complex family drama. Um, there's some police corruption explored, um, some discussion of sexual consent, the relationship between mothers and daughters. It's just a really fantastic book. I loved it so much. And it's Stolen Things by R.H. Heron. And historical romance. Yes, we have to include a little bit of that whenever we can. This is the Duchess in His Bed, and it's the fourth book in Lorraine's, Lorraine Heath's Sins for All Seasons series. I've read the first couple books in this series and really loved them. Um, I love that we get to see kind of outside of the realm of the aristocracy. Now, granted, a lot of the characters do end up falling in love with nobility, but I just, I love kind of looking into the middle class and to some degree, even the lower classes. It's just a lot of fun and gives us a break from all of the balls and potted palms that so many of my co-hostesses seem to dislike lately. So this once again is The Duchess in His Bed and it is Sins for All Seasons, book four by Lorraine Heath. And now we're going to talk about a contemporary romance. I have to say, I do not read much in the way of contemporary romance, but Sarah has been talking a lot about author Devney Perry. And so when I saw that this next book was coming out, I thought it would be a good idea to mention it here in case Perry has other fans among the Book Bistro listenership. So this is The Candle Palace, and it's number six in her Jameson Valley series. It's apparently a romance between a burn victim and his nurse. So if that sounds appealing to you, once again, it is The Candle Palace, Jameson Valley, book six by Devney Perry. Now, young adult fantasy, because what could be better than that? I don't know, not a lot. Um, last year, I discovered the work of author Emily R. King, and I really, really loved her 100th Queen series. Well, now she has ended that one and she is releasing the second book in a new series. It's called Into the Hourglass, 
is the name of the second book. The series is the Evermore Chronicles. And since most people do like to read things in order, myself included, you will want to go back and start off with Before the Broken Star. But if you've already done that, then you are ready for Into the Hourglass. And it's Evermore Chronicles Book 2 by Emily R. King. So, two kind of mystery, thriller kind of things here. Um, This is The Nine, and it is by Jean McWilliams Blasberg. And it's a story of a 14-year-old boy who, for the first time, is out from under his mother's thumb. He's attending this really elite prep school, and then he learns there's some sexual misconduct going on. And what is he going to do about that? Is he a victim? Is he a perpetrator? You don't know. So it's The Nine, and the author is Jean McWilliams Blasberg. Next up is The Whisper Man by Alex North. This book has gotten a ton of buzz um, in like mystery and thriller circles. It blends mystery and horror kind of it looks like in a similar vein to the books of Riley Sager Um, I have a copy of this here I have not read it yet but it basically looks at a serial killer and speculates how you might feel if you were an investigator and the serial killer that you're hunting turns out to be your father Um, I don't really like to think about that but That is the premise of this book. So this is The Whisper Man, and the author is Alex North. And I am ending today with a book that I'm pretty excited about. I first read the work of Claire Delacroix back in the late 90s, and I loved her beauty bride and she had like the damsel and the countess and just all these fantastic um, medieval historical romances. So she is releasing a new book, a new series. I honestly did not even look to see what it was about. I was just really excited because I thought that she'd kind of stopped writing. But here she is again. This is Unicorn Bride. And it is the first book in the Unicorn series by Claire Delacroix. If you've read her in the past, um, you know that she's fantastic. If you haven't, you should probably pick this up. So once again, it is The Unicorn Bride, Unicorn Book One by Claire Delacroix. And that does it for me this week. I hope you have all found something to add to your rather large TBR piles. Mine is quite huge and getting bigger by the day. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.